And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's Ari moves to Friday day. That's right, Ari Wasserman. No longer is Monday the best day of the week. Now, in its proper place, Friday is the best day of the week. Ari and I are talking games, talking lines, but first we have to talk about a game that happened on Thursday night. Ohio State beats Minnesota, but it is not easy. It was fun to watch. And I don't know that we can have any grand takeaways from this thing, but is it is it possible, Ari, to be very confident in both teams coming out of a game like that? Because I am. Yeah, yeah. You, you made the point that you're more confident maybe in Minnesota's ability to compete uh, in the Big Ten West after that. And, you know, that's a, I think we got a really important piece of context because coming into the year, what we, the, the question with Minnesota was, were they the team that had one of the best seasons in program history from two years ago uh, that had a weird year because of COVID or did COVID not really impact them? And they just had one blissful year that was way right. over their heads and their ceiling. And like, to me, I know that Ohio state has a new quarterback and it was on the road. It was week one. It was raining. Um, Mo Ibrahim is a really, really good running back. It's kind of a tough yeah, place know. to play. I don't know in how week long one. he's going to be out. Unfortunately. Yeah. Hopefully not very long. Um, but in terms of what you saw from a talent standpoint out there, you know, with, with Tanner Morgan and some of the guys out there, they got a few receivers out there that caught my eye. Uh, I don't see it. Line. The, the, yeah. Two years ago, the last, the last we saw of their offensive line two years ago, they were pretty much manhandling a, an Auburn a defensive line that, that still had Derek Brown, who played in the bowl game, by the way, uh, and, and looked great. And a lot of those guys still there at Minnesota. And they just look like they're built to compete with the teams they have to beat to get where they want. They, so they have to beat Iowa. They have to beat Wisconsin. Uh, probably have to beat Northwestern. They look like a team. I'm not saying they're going to beat Iowa and Wisconsin, but they look like a team that can go toe-to-toe with those programs. And that's that's all you can ask for at Minnesota. And here, here's the thing with Minnesota, too. If you look at their schedule, Miami of Ohio next week, kind of a cool crossover uh, non-conference game at Colorado. Uh which should, should be fun. I think a very winnable game Then Bowling green, which is one of the worst teams in college football, Purdue, Nebraska, Maryland at Northwestern, Illinois. They play they, their last three games of the year are Iowa or at Iowa at Indiana and then home against Wisconsin. So there's a very, very good chance that they could be a two loss team or a one loss team going into the final three weeks of the season. That's, and like, we've seen them do wow. that before, but based on the team that, that we saw out there tonight, Name name one of these teams, Miami, Colorado, Bowling Green, Purdue, Nebraska, Maryland, Northwestern, Illinois. That's an automatic loss for them out of all those games. I can't. I can't. And and I tell you what, a team that can just slip into the I formation on the goal line and mash their way into the end zone against Ohio State's defensive front. I'm I'm good with that against almost everything. So I I agree with you completely. I'm much more bullish on Minnesota than I was before. And I realize it's it's one game and they lost it, but I just the, the way they went, you know, from a physical standpoint up against some of the best players in the country, I, I like their odds against some of the teams they're going to have to play down the road. So, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll know a lot more when we've seen Wisconsin, when we've seen Iowa. I I, I get a sneaking suspicion, Ari, that, that Iowa is going to crush some dreams either this week or next week or both. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be one of the games that we're talking about. We already have a bet in place. Let's talk about it now. Let's talk about Iowa, Indiana. Let's talk. Okay. Because I am going to play that game. I'm going to play Iowa in that game. It's minus three and a half. Uh, It might be three by the time kickoff starts. And that is two things. One, I think that is 
trusting Kirk Ferentz to have Iowa in the shape that Iowa is always in, which is a very tough out in the Big Ten um, that plays really tough disciplined football and at home particularly hard to beat. And I'm not sure that I'm 100% buying that Indiana can do what it did again last year when people are expecting it in a regular non-COVID year. You think I'm insane? Are you on the Indiana train? Because I feel there's a lot of people on the Indiana train, which makes me oh, want to fade I, that train. I love Tom Allen. I believe in Tom Allen. I love I him too. Tom yes. Allen is is the real Ted Lasso. Like if you if you send him over to England to coach a Premier League team, he would he would do it and do it well and have crazy sayings and and have the team believing in him by the end of the season. But I also think there's a ceiling still for Indiana. Now they have recruited better. Like Taiwan Mullen, he might be the best player on the field in this game. And how how often does Indiana have the best player on the field in a Big Ten game? Not not that often. But I still think they're going to run into an Iowa team that Iowa had those two weird losses at the beginning of last season, and they seem to get it together. And they looked like a, a perfectly competent Iowa team. They bring most of that back, and I, I just that's a tough place to play. They're very physical up front. Indiana's not very good at running the ball. You know, really, it's got to be Penix to Freifogel and, and make some explosive plays and hope your defense bails you out because that's a lot of what happens with Indiana is the defense is so good that it, it bails them out. So unless Indiana can win this as a, a, a 17-13 game, I, I don't think they're going to win it. What, what is your take on, on Michael Penix? I think he's good. I think he he's we don't have a complete set of data on him because he's had a season ending injury three years in a row. So he he does some very exciting things. He can move around well in the pocket. I don't know that we, we've seen exactly what he can do yet. And I just he's very exciting. when he's, I go back to that Penn State game last year. He He was awful for three and a half quarters of the Penn State game. He'll tell you that. And then those last two drives of regulation and overtime, he was unstoppable. So, like, can he be more consistent? Can he be that that unstoppable version of himself for more of the game? That's the that's the tricky part. Yeah, yeah. And like, the thing too is, are we at the point in the Indiana program sphere where we are anticipating and expecting them to go into Iowa and win? I, I, we're almost there, but we're not there yet. Because here's the thing. I don't think they're a flash in the pan. I don't think Tom Allen just had a couple of good years. I think whoever has Tom Allen as their coach is going to be a good team. And they're going to continue to be a good team. And he's going to develop players that he finds, you know, that, that fit what, what he does, especially on defense. And they're going to get better. And they're going to, he's going to play old. They, they're really old this year. I mean, it, this is... This is get old, stay old for that kind of team. Uh, Fry Fogle coming back was probably the only one that you, you really would have worried about them losing, and he's back. You know, the, they lost the running back, Stevie Scott, but he, he didn't even average four yards a carry last year. Fry Fogle was so, a stud, too. Fry Fogle's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they get Stephen Carr, who never quite lived up to the recruiting hype at USC, but maybe maybe in a better place this time. I, I mean, they got to, they got to do better up front. I, I've, I've talked to coaches in the big 10 about them. And, and it's interesting because the, the book on Indiana is they are the, the body types are right. They've got the right body types. And a lot of times when you have a team that's trying to, to climb into that realm, they just don't have the size on the line or the size at the second level to, to deal with these other teams. Indiana does. They just don't necessarily have skilled size like Ohio State does, and, and that's the difference. So the, they've got a block better, short short version of that answer, than, than they did last year if they want to do things like go to Iowa City and win. Well, what side are you on? Are you with me on the Iowa side? Oh, I'm with you. I, I, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I think Iowa's going to win it, especially that's not a lot of points. Uh, I, I feel comfortable with that. That hook is kind of tricky because – three and a half in a game that we're anticipating might be pretty low scoring in one of those ugly big 10 games that Iowa likes to draw you down into, Um, you know, winning by three is kind of the Iowa way. And I think I read a stat somewhere that Iowa's 
very, very efficient in the last few years in games that are decided by less than six points. I think they've only have like, they're like, I think it's like 12 or 13, 14 and one might've listened to that on the Stanford Steve bear podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting stat. And I, I like Iowa a lot in this spot. All right. We're really bad at following the rundown. We're the worst at following our own rundowns. And so I mean, we have, we have eggs week, for brains this week, man. Discovery. We've had a week. It's been a lot. We had, to, <laughs> we had to, we had to do fake high schools all week. That's it's been our week. We've been on Bishop Sycamore duty. So we're, we're just now getting into this and like Ari and I've been texting. So we're uh, pull back the curtain. It just turned Friday morning on the East coast. Ari's still got another hour of Thursday. Uh, UCF and Boise state are playing on, on TV. Uh, UCF has cut the lead to three at the moment. So we, but, but Ari and I have been texting back and forth all night, just enjoying football for once, because we have been so waist deep in Bishop Sycamore, waist deep in BS. Ari, you get, you remember yeah, going waist deep in, in BS. <laughs> I'm getting it. Yeah. For, I think- for an entire week. And so watching, watching these games has been so cathartic for me. It's been wonderful. And I was kind of bummed too because the first quarter of the Ohio State Minnesota game kind of struck me as like, who can run out the clock the fastest here? You know, and it was just like, can we get some air, the balls in the air and let's have some fun? This is college football. And then the second half was a lot more fun than the first. But, you know, yeah, I'm so overjoyed to be talking about things that are within the realm of, of sanity right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, people are sending us different links to like, here's a, Here's an NAIA team who might be who might be from a fake school. This school might be run by a cult leader. And I was hear- like, okay, football's on, guys. <laughs> you hear this? Can we- you hear that? That's me tapping out, Andy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> football's back. Let's, we're gonna watch some football this weekend. I'm sorry. Yes. All right. Let's 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 go down our, our rundown. At least at least the first game we need to make sure we do get in because this is a Friday night game that we're going to talk about, and I think it's a, a a very important game in the grand scheme of things. You and I have talked about this actually a few times during this offseason, but it is North Carolina minus five and a half at Virginia Tech. That is going to be a a wonderful atmosphere at Lane Stadium when Inner Sandman starts going and those guys start jumping. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. But the question is, what is Virginia Tech going to be? What kind of team will we see from Virginia Tech, which has been a maddeningly inconsistent outfit in the last few years? I went back to the end of last year, and I was thinking, you know, that that loss to Liberty where they had, they had called timeout to ice the kicker and kind of played themselves on that, and, and the, the block kick for a touchdown is wiped off the board – Liberty hits a pass and then hits a game-winning field goal. Uh, that touched off a game, a four-game losing streak. And I think if they don't beat Virginia, then Fuente might have been fired. If they don't beat Virginia at the end of the season. He survives. You had that weird – remember, right around signing day, they had a, the, the, the press conference announcement where they're like, Whit Babcock's going to have a press conference the day before signing day and didn't say anything else. He's going to be the only one there. And then they're like, oh, yeah, and Justin Fuente is going to have one on signing day. And it's like, wait a second. Okay. Because the Whit Babcock one was happened to be, he's the AD, happened to be the day that Justin Fuente's buyout dropped. So it was, it was very bizarre. Now comes North Carolina, a team <laughs> that is expected to win the division, that is expected to win double-digit games, that Sam Howell's expected to compete for a Heisman Trophy and maybe be the first quarterback off the board next year. But can they go into Lane Stadium and do what they're supposed to do. Is this game a trap? Just tell me, is it a trap? I, I don't, I, I can't. A first game of the season that's a division game cannot realistically be a trap. Well, this How line could you possibly get This trapped? line is a trap. Is the line a trap? No, the line's not a trap. I want to like take money out of my unborn baby savings account and put it on North Carolina. That's okay. Okay. Well, we're on the same page here then. You, okay. okay. You, you think the Lions? And I think too. that's a trap. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And it's making me wonder, like I, to me, if I were setting the line in this game, I would probably have it somewhere in the seven range. Uh, five and a half is just a weird no man's land line. And whenever I see those, I kind of, and I think we're going to get to another one too. It's kind of like what 
you're kind of not here, but you're not there. And it's just like, to me, North Carolina's talent level is infinitely better right now than Virginia Tech's. North Carolina's uh, season total for wins um, is at 10. They've got perhaps the best quarterback in college football. They have a five-star corner in Tony Grimes, who's going to be a legitimate stud this year. Their lines are much better than they've been. This is the year that they're supposed to. All five starting offensive linemen are back, by the way. Yes. So this is supposed to be the year where Mac Brown enters the conversation as a team that is going to turn your head in the ACC. And they're having a hard time at Virginia Tech on the road. What is it? Is it the spot? Is it the week? Is it a weeknight? Is it enter Sandman on a Friday night? Um, is Virginia Tech supposedly a, a very dangerous team right now? And I went back and I looked. North Carolina didn't necessarily blow them out a year ago, did they? Oh, oh okay. So it's an 11 point final, but it was 54 to 37 with five minutes to go. And, or excuse me, yeah, or 56 to 37, something like that. North Carolina averaged 9.3 yards a carry against Virginia Tech last year. It would not. Your brain is such an impressive wanted. encyclopedia of knowledge. Sometimes, like Andy, can I ask you this frankly? Yeah. Like, do you study stuff, or like, do you have like a very impeccable memory? Like the things that come that, out of your mouth I wrote sometimes. That in a story. I wrote okay. that in a story. I, I actually, I had to write that in Dear Andy that ran on Thursday. So I, I okay. kind of cheated. I wrote that Wednesday night. So I, I okay, that explains that. It. Now, I also wrote it in the story I wrote about do you do should you run or pass on first down? And I talked to Phil Longo and, and the offensive coordinator in North Carolina about that philosophy. And he's, you know, he's saying during games like the Virginia Tech game or the Miami game last year. And so I did look up their yards per carry in both those games. Okay. And it was 9.3 in Virginia Tech. It was like 10.6 against Miami. So that's what the, and and so that's the thing about North Carolina. When they get something working against you. They will keep running it till you stop it. And that's the Virginia Tech couldn't stop it last year. So Virginia, North Carolina could have done anything it wanted last year. That can't happen this year. That's, that's the one way Virginia Tech can't lose. Like you could lose this game if it's close or, you know, there's a couple fluky things that happen to you. But if you just get flat dominated like that in, in one phase of the game, that's a bad, bad sign because the, the thing that scares me for Fuente, like this wouldn't, this isn't a referendum game for Fuente. I don't think it's not going to be like we were like, after you and I said before Nebraska, Illinois, if Scott Frost loses this game, that's probably it for Scott Frost. And, and we said it after they, after they lost that game, like I firmly believe this will be his last season at Nebraska. Fuente, if they lose this game, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to make any judgments on it yet. But I do. You're supposed to lose this game. That's the difference. Nebraska wasn't supposed to lose. But if they get blown out, then I start to worry about them going to Morgantown in week three, because I do. I do not like coaches whose teams are inconsistent against Neil Brown. Like that's a bad matchup for you if you're the coach whose team can't play consistently. So do you anticipate that North Carolina is going to have their way? I don't know. I so. The whole offseason, I've been going back and forth trying to figure out, okay, what situation do I want, what I, what I like better? And, and I go back to the two teams that were in the Orange Bowl. It's, it's North Carolina and Texas A&M. Texas A&M lost the four-year starting quarterback and four or five starting offensive linemen. Now, the one who's left is really good. But that's a lot. But they kept all the skill guys. All those, all those toys that, that Haynes King, the new quarterback, is going to have, uh, Anaya Smith, Devon A. Chain, uh, Jalen Weidermeyer, all that. He's got all of it to use. Isaiah Spiller. Meanwhile, North Carolina loses their top two receivers and their top two backs. Uh, thinking, okay, that's not good. You know, you lose Javante Williams and Michael Carter. That, that ain't great. But they bring back the quarterback, who may be the best quarterback in the country. We don't know, but we, we put him on all those short lists. And they bring back the entire offensive line. So which would I like better? To have the QB in the offensive line? Or to have all the skill guys, but a new QB and a new offensive line. And every time I come back to it, I want the QB and the offensive line. I think it's 100 times out of 100. So that's the part I like. I, I don't want to go too overconfident because, you know, we, I, we still have not seen North Carolina as a, as a favorite, like a heavy favorite type team yet. We Overall, in terms of that. aura of program. Right, right. We don't know if they can handle that yet. So I don't, I have a hard time 
saying I think North Carolina is just going to go in and blow their doors off, but I kind of think they're going to. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like there's a bear trap there, and I'm sticking my foot in it. I'm all over North Carolina on this one. All right. I put this in here. We're not going to talk about it. The more I look at it, I don't want to talk about it, but I just, just wanna, say it. I just just wanna, say it and pick a side. Be a man. Ponder it for a minute. <laughs> South Dakota plus 13 at Kansas. If Kansas doesn't win this, they're probably not winning a game this season. They play on the teal next week at Coastal. Kansas got to win this game. Are they going to win this game? And, and more specifically, do you like the line? <laughs> I don't think I'm laying uh, two scores in, uh, on Kansas, Kansas against Bishop to win Sycamore. A football game by two <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Yes. Oh, Andy. yes. What would what would the line be on Bishop Sycamore at Kansas? <laughs> Forty four, I think. I'm taking Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> I don't know if I am. I, I did you watch the game? <laughs> I did. I, Do you think I, I, what would the what would the line be a Kansas first IMG? <laughs> this is this is a the NFL versus Alabama trap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, Kansas would win that game. I, I'm sorry. Would you would you bet? What would you set the line at? I wouldn't set it super high. I'd, I'd probably say Kansas by 12. That's a competitive football game. You're basically saying that IMG right now is as good as South Dakota. Maybe they are. Because how much better of better? T- they how much better athletes. So like the thing with the NFL, the best team in college football versus the worst team in the NFL argument is that the NFL is a grown men and everybody on an NFL roster was a star or a really productive college player. And, and, and they they're more mature. And the NFL team would just pick on the two guys who aren't NFL players on the best college team and destroy them. That's, that's why that, that always fails. But in this case, I don't know. How much more physically advanced do you think a sophomore at Kansas is than a five-star prospect who's a senior at IMG? Given their strength program now, not much different. I mean, the the guy, the head strength coach at IMG is Jeff Dillman, who was the head strength coach at Florida and South Carolina. So it, it they're going through the same workouts now. They're just younger. I, I still just like a twenty one yeah. year old, a twenty one year old versus a seventeen year old is a is a very different scenario. I'll, I'll like I'll give you a, a for my freshman year of college. So I was seventeen for the first month I was at Florida. And Florida had a defensive tackle my freshman year named McDonald Ferguson. And I can't remember why Ferg didn't immediately play in college. I don't know if he'd served in, in the military or, or what it was, but he was 26 as a senior and he bench pressed 500 pounds. And I just remember the first time I had to try to block him, I was like, oh, I'm still a boy and he is a grown man. I mean, you've actually had to do some of these things, so yeah, you would know is, better than me. It, it, it but the difference is I'm not a, I'm not a six, five, 325 pound offensive tackle, 17 year old offensive tackle. You know, I was a, I was a six, three, 240 pound 17 year old offensive guard. So I, I think it's very hard. I think it's, it is very hard for a 17 year old, especially in, in on the line of scrimmage to play against a 22 year old. Yeah. I, I, I don't care how much athletic advantage the 17 year old has. Yeah, I think you're right. So, it's, it's, by the way, it's more, is, it's, is, it's more so my BYU a, theory, by the way, that that a pissed off 24 year old father of two toddlers is going to have his way with a true freshman offensive lineman. You know, it's crazy, though. In that scenario, the quarterback advantage would go to the high school team. True, true. And a lot of the skill talent, too. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, the trenches might be a hard thing to, to overcome because you're only physically able to do what your body, you know, is conditioned for. But I don't know that every Kansas defensive back can get in front of those those receivers that IMG has. I don't know if their quarterback's better than A.J. Duffy. I mean, I, I know we're kind of veering off track here a little bit, but those those well, guys are. Hey, we're, we're, we're probably going to get to Florida State Notre Dame, but I'm sure all the Florida State fans want to want to think about A.J. Duffy because he's he's headed their way and. He's a he's a true believer in the the Mike Norvell Kenny Dillingham 
axis of power. Like he's a fan. So yeah. I mean, we we can go right to it if you want everybody looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's talk Notre Dame, Florida State. Yeah, I think that there's a, there's a, it's two words. Jack Cohn, we believe her? We don't know. We don't know, and, and, Florida State, they're not going to announce their quarterback, I don't believe, whether it's going to be Jordan Travis or Mackenzie Milton. I think, you know, the the popular sentiment is everybody wants to see Mackenzie Milton be the guy. But I think it I think it may be Jordan Travis. I mean, you got so, a you got a pretty close look at it. And I know that wasn't yeah. full camp, but I mean, what did you think of Mackenzie Milton while you're on the field during the spring game? I mean, does he oh, look physically I, I, I up to it? Looked, he looked really good and he moved around really well. I, I just, you know, anybody who's read those stories and, and if you haven't read uh, Andrea Adelson from ESPN did some amazing stories on, on Mackenzie Milton's rehab. He, he came back from a very, very serious injury. Like a, we're more worried about saving your leg in the immediate aftermath of this injury than, than ever worrying about you playing football again. So that's what we're talking about with McKenzie Milton. Now, if he feels like he's ready to go and the doctors say he can go, then I, I think they're going to give him a chance. And I think you may see both of them play some, but I, I get, I, I have a sense that Jordan Travis is going to be the first one out there and, and we'll see what he does. And, and look you know, people say, well, Jordan Travis didn't look good last year. Well, nobody looked good last year on Florida state. Their, their line was a mess. They had no off season to, to put a, you know, a new coaching staff's offense in. So I, I would have a little faith in Jordan Travis with a full off season and maybe a better understanding of what they're doing on offense. Now, the, the thing about Milton that's, that's interesting with him is he understands the why of everything so well, because he was a starting quarterback at a very high level already. And so that part he can pick up. The, the question is, you know, physically, are, are you, are you worried about him getting hit? And, you know, I, I think that's, that's just the conversation that McKenzie Milton and, and, Mike Norvell have to have and, and get that figured out. So I'm sure they've had it. And I think McKenzie Milton wants to play. And oh, by the way, uh, UCF now winning this game. Things looked very bleak in the first half. Not so bleak anymore for, for Gus Malzahn, who's, uh, whose ball play sheet looks exactly like a Waffle House menu, by the way. Is there so, any possible but, uh, way? Let's just wrap this podcast up. I want to watch this. <laughs> no, we, we, we got to finish this. Sucker. Okay, so here's, here's my thing with Notre Dame. Notre Dame and Florida State. I still think Notre Dame has the advantage physically up front. Uh, they they should be able to push Florida State's D line around a little bit. Uh, there's a guy named Jermaine Johnson on on Florida State's D line that you saw at Georgia last year. It wasn't that he wasn't going to play at Georgia. He was going to be kind of a role player at Georgia. They have so many good pass rushers. He wanted to be more of a, an every down guy, and so I think you're going to see him be pretty effective against, against some teams. Well, against Notre Dame, we'll have to find out because that's, that's a traditionally very good offensive line. So I still think, I, I think Notre Dame goes in there and, and wins this game somewhat comfortably, but it wouldn't shock me, Ari, if it was like, remember when Notre Dame went to Louisville and Scott Satterfield's first year, and mm-hmm. it was, it was right after that horrific last year of Bobby Petrino and everybody just quit. And it was awful to watch that last few weeks. And then we watched Louisville put up a fight in the first half against Notre Dame. And we're like, you know what? They're going to be okay. They're going to be fun to watch this year. And they were. I think that might be the game we see on Sunday night. I think that it's very easy to make Jack Cone jokes. 
and to act like Notre Dame is just not in a good position at the quarterback, you know, spot and all that stuff. But I do think that Florida State is probably two years away from the rebuild being being where they want it to be to be competitive in these games. And, you know, I think seven and a half is kind of a tricky number because you're pushing it to two scores. But I think Notre Dame by 10 years, they're pretty reasonable thing I, to think. I, I and think I think that would be reasonable. good for Florida State, too. Yeah. I think it's very reasonable and, and I'm, I'm with you on the length of time on the rebuild though. I will say if, if Norvell and company chose well out of the transfer portal, it's going to take less time. Yeah. It's going to be, and that's going to be the new art of college they'll, they'll football. How good can you year. be at that? Yeah. 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 They'll be competitive next year. If, if they're, if they're good at picking those guys, they'll, they'll be ready to go next year. Yeah. I mean, they're going to so, get AJ Duffy next year. And also Travis Hunter is probably the best player overall in the entire yeah, class. Another true believer, by the way. Oh, that guy believes more in Florida State than I believe in anything. Yes, everybody comes at him. Nope, 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 I'm a no, I'm a no, I'm a no. So it's really interesting because that's a high-level player that Florida State got in the the heyday of of the Jimbo Fisher era that they've not been getting lately. So that's that's a big change. All right, let's get back to Saturday. Noon on Saturday... I feel like this is one of those psychological damage games where the loser is going to be like, oh, God, what this season is going to be so long. And what are we going to do? I'm talking about the fans, not necessarily the, the, the players or the coaches. Penn State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a five and a half point favorite. If Wisconsin wins this game by six points, Ari, and it's it's competitive. It's not just like there's your garbage time touchdown at the end that that allows Penn State to get close. But if it's it's a competitive game. Like the Penn State people are going to go, oh, no, it's, you know, last year all over again and it's going to be terrible. And then it'll take them, you know, basically probably it'll take them beating Auburn in week three to understand, no, it's not going to be so bad. We just lost to a good team. Or if Wisconsin loses, the same thing. Like they're going to have to go play and beat Notre Dame at Soldier Field to, to understand, no, 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 okay, that first one we just lost to a good team. This was two pretty good teams playing each other. And, and nobody needs to feel particularly upset, but the, the fan base that loses is going to be off a cliff for, for a week or two. The reason why this game is so uh, fun for us is because as consumers of the sport, we want answers to questions about where these two programs are at, and we're not going to have to wait very long to get them. You know, by the end right. of the, the the evening on Saturday, we're going to have a better clue of where both of these we, programs are. We won't know how they compare to everybody else, and I think that's – that's yeah, I know. I think it's unfortunate for the the players on the team that they have to open with each other, because we are allowed to over overreact based on the uh, results right. of an opening they, season they game. They can't, yeah. you know, and it's just it's going to be tough. And it's just like when you look at this this game, like I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to. This is a stay away for me. Like I wouldn't. I, I don't feel particularly passionate about either side of this. And. If it does end up getting up to seven, because I, st- I think five and a half is, is a little bit high, you know, and if it got the seven, I think I would take Penn State. I don't know if it's going to get there because it's been holding pretty steady at five and a half. Um, but I don't feel really compelled to bet this game either way. I'm very excited to see how Sean Clifford responds to such a weird year. I'm excited to New see if Grand Mertz. Coordinator. Yeah. yeah. If Graham Mertz is going to turn into that NFL quarterback, that could be the missing piece for Wisconsin. I can't wait to see how tough those guys play. Uh in the trenches and which team is going to be more physically built to compete in the big 10. And it's also like, you know, Penn state views itself as its main contender in the big 10 East against Ohio state and Wisconsin views itself as the most likely candidate to win the big 10, because they'll have to face them in the big 10 championship and not before. And it's like, I like to see which one of these two teams when faced against each other seems more equipped to compete in the big 10 conference uh, at a championship level. And, and, and by you know, that, we you mean against Ohio state. Yeah, yeah, but also now maybe against Minnesota, you know, what we just saw against Minnesota hey. with Minnesota, you know, um, and that's a, another game that's not until late November. So uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, that is. So, you know, I, I don't know that I feel like I, I love either side of these, but I will tell you one thing. I'm super excited to watch it. I, I am too. And, and I just, I, I like that the Big Ten's gotten on board with the with the conference games early in the season. You know, the SEC would started doing that. The ACC kind of really got that kicked off where they would do, you know, a big ACC game on Monday night. Now they've gotten to where they do one of their Notre Dame games or one of their teams playing an SEC team on that Monday night. You're getting Louisville Ole Miss this coming Monday. But yeah, I, I think it's, 
it's a lot of fun to see this. And, you know, same, same thing we were talking about at Iowa, Indiana. I don't think you just write off the season if you lose this game, but that, that fan base that loses either one of these is going to be like, Oh God, no, especially like, you know, if Iowa loses Indiana, they've got to play Iowa state next week. And I, I came into this podcast saying, you know, I think Iowa may be crushing some dreams this week or next week or both. So maybe, maybe they do, but if they lose to Indiana, they're going to be like, Oh no, their fans are going to be like, Oh no. Now we got to play the best Iowa state team maybe ever. So that, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. The big 10 West in general is kind of out, out there, isn't it? Like who's, who's yeah. going to emerge from it. I, I don't think it's a pretty easy. I mean, I think everybody just assumes well, it's going to be Wisconsin, but I don't think it's that simple. And we don't know what Northwestern is going to be. You know, the, the assumption is they take a step back offensively this season, but what if they don't? They're still going to be really good on defense. I don't know how you can take much of a step back offensively at that program. They're always great on defense. They were, they and were I, and so I, much better last season than they were yeah, the no, one before. No. The, well, the one before, I wouldn't even say the word offense. But the thing I'll say about Northwestern is, don't you think Northwestern has earned the benefit of the doubt of like, hey, they're going to be tough and good? Like, I think yes, they've already I, earned I that. So. I'm not saying that. I think you're right they earn the benefit of the doubt of being big 10 championship contenders or at least big 10 championship game uh, contenders. But I think they deserve the benefit of doubt that they're going to be an above average football team. Like I think Pat yeah. Fitzgerald is one of the best coaches in college football. And because of that, I, I think that Northwestern 100%. is, is that's the way we view them. Well, Pat Fitzgerald, Paul, Chris, Kirk Ferentz, all three of them know exactly what they're recruiting to exactly what they're looking for. They, they find the guys that fit what they do. They develop them. Yeah. I, and they have their programs very near their ceiling at almost any given time. That would be a really interesting podcast episode. Which, which program like is closest to their ceiling out of the three. And if you rank them, what order would you rank them in? Well, wow. That is a really, that's, that's really interesting. I think Northwestern mm-hmm. is at the, at the peak of its ceiling. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, Pat Fitzgerald has gotten the most out of his program that he it's humanly possible with multiple trips to the big 10 championship game in the last five years, uh, academic limitations, actually playing with Ohio state and making people wonder if Ohio state by academic limitations, you mean good academics. Yeah. Yeah. Academic limitations. Smart to go there. Yes. Um, There's a lot of, there's a lot of Medill grads in our field. The two people on this podcast are not. (laughs) <laughs> I think that Wisconsin is a close second because it's hard to argue that with what they've created. They're over under uh, win totals every year is 10 automatically, no matter who's on the team, which I think is certainly fascinating. And then Iowa, they have really good years, but sometimes they have some down years. And I think Iowa, if you like look back at last year, it started off pretty rough, but they got completely lost in the shuffle there when they rattled off. What was it? Five games in a row at the end. Uh, oh, yeah, and, and they look, they're and a pretty a, tough team too. So yeah. I, I don't know if Iowa could ever be written off when they lost two games beginning of last year, completely yeah. written off. Yeah. Iowa hasn't gone to the big 10 championship game as much as the other two. So I would say that they're not at their ceiling as much as the other ones are, but part of the reason why Iowa didn't go to the big 10 championship it's game as much is because the other two are at their ceiling. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's a tough conversation, but like Northwestern to me, it's like, has squeezed every drop of juice out of the orange human as humanly possible. I, I, I agree with you on that. All right. Let's talk about another program that operates uh, at its ceiling. Miami? No. The team Miami has to play. The Alabama Crimson Tide. They signed five stars, but then they turned them into first rounders. Alabama minus 20 against Miami in Atlanta. Alabama had six first round draft picks last year, which was a college football and NFL draft record. Tied, ironically enough, with, I believe, an old Miami team. They are still, in the 247 sport composite team rankings, the most talented team in college football. It yeah, is, if you listen to our show last, last yes. Saturday, uh, they weren't updated yet. Now they are. Yeah. Also, 75 of the 85 players on the roster are four-star prospects or better. So 75 of the 85 are blue-chip ratio prospects. And they have Bryce Young at quarterback. Their skill position players are obviously insanely good. I, Bama here. I mean, I don't think that people understand that the average person 
or the average ranking of the recruits on their team in totality is a top 150 player. And 85% of all college football programs don't even sign one on an annual basis. The average player across the board on this football team is a top 150 national player. Can people try to like put that into perspective? Because I know people, some people might get tired of hearing what I have to think about recruiting or whatever. It doesn't, stars don't matter. They do matter, whatever. But in this specific instance, that statistic is so, it's so galaxy brain. It's almost like trying to ponder what it's like to be a hundred light years away from the sun. Or like, have you ever watched one of those videos in space where they show you yeah, the size Carl of Earth? Sagan, billions and billions and billions. They show yes, you the you size very of Earth. small and insignificant, and which Earth is how is, people feel when they play Alabama. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get at. Earth yeah. is like the size of a fist. And you're like, okay. You feel really good. And then it's a conveyor belt. And then it's like, and it goes for 20 minutes. And then by the time it goes, it's a hundred billion light years away from the end of the galaxy, which is a distance that's so far away that I can't even possibly quantify it. That's what Alabama's roster is this year. (laughs) And I've been trying for for months to talk myself into Miami, making this a, a really fun game. And the last two weeks I've, completely talked myself out of that. I am now fully on board with Alabama just having its way with Miami. Yeah, it's I like no nobody wants to hear that. And I mean one of the things that could happen is it's 45 to 17 late in the game and then Miami scores a touchdown or 10 points and they don't cover, which Alabama sometimes has been prone to do. But the thing that's crazy is is that when we made our you and I and I don't know if it's cuz we've been spending so much time together the last few months, but we had identical predictions when it came to the playoff and national championship the same teams making it the same teams being left out and georgia winning it all this year which we'll get to when we inevitably talk to we're sinking up yes but we we also okay we did this before the composite rankings came out for the team talent Mm -hmm. alabama is so insanely talented this year it's making me second guess that that pick but I, but my, I thought Georgia would have been Alabama one. Beats, but I'm saying Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, and that's the way they both get in the playoff. Yeah, my pick was Georgia uh, wins the SEC, oh, and so Alabama well, and how'd Alabama. You get Alabama in there. Alabama loses an undefeated Alabama team loses in the SEC okay, so championship. They're, they're twelve and one lose to Georgia. Okay, that works. Yeah, that works too. Um, but the thing is, they might play again. And, and in my scenario, they probably have to play again. So, and and I would have Georgia winning that. <laughs> but the thing they, is, they I, have to play I, I think Georgia, mine too. Georgia is Georgia is talented enough to play toe to toe with them. There are very few teams that are Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, maybe LSU, maybe Texas A and M. The talent level is there. It will come down to how well do you play the game at that point. But not in this not in this game against Miami. That's that's the difference. Where are you at with Manny Diaz's rebuild there? Like do you think that it's on track? Do you feel like Miami's going to be the U ever again? Cuz last year they had a really good recruiting class. They seem to be uh having a better presence in Miami than they had before. Like I I feel like they're doing okay. I do too. I think they're going to be fine. We'll see how they do in the in the in the ACC. I'm not handing North Carolina that division because of Miami. That's the that's the one team I think that can trip them up. Now they crushed Miami last year, so uh, maybe maybe it's a it's bad from a Styles make fights perspective, but I do feel like Miami could be could be the team that that trips them up. So yeah, I, I don't think it's that bad. I just it's against this team. I just don't I, I can't see it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's let's move on. We're going to get to the two big ones. Well, the one just superpower on superpower game and then the one that we have a bet on. But there are two group of five at power five games. And I'd argue that they're almost the same game. And I want to get your thoughts on them. I want to know if you're taking if you're taking the group of five team in both of these. I am. First one is San Jose State plus 14 at USC. The second one is Louisiana Lafayette plus eight and a half at Texas. So we already have a bet this week that involves eating a banana peel. And we'll get to that at the end. So we already have our patented disagreement of the week. <laughs> you really got into my head with the Texas stuff. So I, like, again, I, and I, and I, I know my, my thoughts on this has not, have not changed. If you have been listening to this podcast, you know how I feel. If Texas wins this game by one point, I will be happy with Texas and Sark and very impressed. But your point was a very astute point about, this is the type of team that Texas struggles with. Yes. A very well-coached veteran team that doesn't ooze with talent, but also plays and does exactly plays the way it exactly the way it has to. That, that and doesn't you know, give a, you know what about be, that they're in a bigger stadium and that, that that's the right. Other team has a lot of money and five-star prospects. And we also compared this Louisiana team with the talent that they have to a middle of the run, big 12 team. And if you go back and you look at the Tom Herman era and some of the things that happened before the Tom Herman era, what and who did Texas struggle against the most? Those types of teams. TCU, Iowa State. Yes. And if remember when we talked about this a few months ago in a summer podcast, the spread was 10 and now it's down to eight and a half. Like it's moving in that direction. So to me, I think that a small bet on Louisiana money line would be a pretty good bet. Now I would kill me. I would melt like the wicked witch of the West because uh, if they lose by then, five. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying if Texas doesn't win this game, then I can't scream. Texas is back this year. Like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a been a Homer, for, a Texas Homer for years, but you're getting, no, you're getting three to one on Louisiana here. Like that seems to be like a good spot in the early season to take a shot. And then maybe in the middle of the game, too, if you get a, an in-game hedge. Now, there won't so be I a... Wrong, yeah. Am I wrong that this is the, that this and the San Jose-USC game are the same game? They are, yeah, because they're both very good group of five teams playing in the region uh, the, against a powerful program, quote-unquote, in the region that they're in. Uh, San Jose State's an that underachieves too, that underachieves yeah. um, all the time, especially early on in the season. Like, to me... San Jose State, I feel more comfortable with than than Louisiana because 14 and a half. What's the line that we're, we're getting from BetMGM? Uh, we are getting a, a 14, plus 14 for San Jose State. Yeah, that's the line, 14. And, you know, to me, how many USC games in the beginning of a year have you seen? Uh, you remember watching it is yelling to yourself, is USC going to start playing soon? Or is USC going to turn the light on soon? It's like USC doesn't turn the light on against San Jose State. They could be in trouble in the game. And, okay, you know, well, anybody- I, I, I went back and look at uh, 2019 USC Fresno State. This is the game that JT Daniels got hurt. Keaton Slovis comes in. Eight point game. This, this is that game. This is that game. A- except Nick Starkle is the, the starting quarterback on the other side. He has played in much tougher environments than the Coliseum. He started at Texas A&M. He started at Arkansas. Hey, I got another one for you, pal. What do you think of uh, Fresno State, Oregon? 20 and a half. There's another group of five team that's getting a lot of points against the Pac-12 team. I'm actually fine with Oregon. I, I, I'm a believer in Oregon this year. 
I really, I think Oregon. That's a lot of points. And Fresno State's a pretty solid team. They're all right. It's it's not it's not the same thing though because I I really do think Oregon can can turn on the afterburners. I I don't know that USC can. And I when is the USC last time doing? Oregon turned on the afterburners? When they played USC in 2019. So we're going on. We're going two years now. Well, Oregon, nothing in the Pac-12 last year counts. I don't know. They played games. They were awful games. They they played very few games, and nobody got to play games like two or three weeks in a row. So, so did, uh, let me ask you this: now that we now that we're kind of on this topic, did watching Ohio State and CJ Stroud against Minnesota because we talked more about Minnesota than Ohio State? Did that change your thought process on Oregon in that game? I mean, no, I guess it's hard to say because no, Oregon I, hasn't played like, yet, but. Yeah, I like C.J. Stroud. I thought he looked really good. I, I mean, I've always thought Ohio State's going to win that game. It's just a matter to me of how how well does Oregon play against them? How well does Oregon match up? Does Oregon have anybody who's special enough to shine? Like, Kayvon Thibodeau may be the, the highest draft prospect on the field, but Ohio State's offensive line is stacked. So how good of a game is he going to have against those guys? So yeah. that, that part I'm, I'm really fascinated by. But I thought C.J. Stroud looked very good. In, against Minnesota on a rainy night in your, your first start, a lot of things could have gone wrong. I thought he did a really good job. So I, I'm not, not worried about him. I, I will be, you know, Anthony Brown's the starting quarterback at Oregon. Let's see how he does. I thought he looked good when he came in late last season, but I just, I, I don't know offensively what they're, they, they got the three headed monster at tailback, which I like. And I, I think they're physical up front. I, I, I just think they have built the talent level and the style of play to win the games they're supposed to win. Now, I don't always you go back to, to Arizona State in 2019. They should have won that game. But I feel like they have built something that games like this don't scare me for Oregon anymore. The Fresno State one, I mean. Cool. Uh, I'm definitely taking the other dogs, though. We're, are we ready for the uh, the big one in Charlotte? Oh yeah, this is here this we is, go. This is why we wake up in the morning. Georgia plus three versus Clemson in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium. What's the money line on Georgia, Ari? Let me go look that up for you, Andy. Uh, Georgia All is right. plus one thirty. Radio. There we go. Just take that if you're going to take Georgia. Let me bother with the points. Just take that money line. Want to hear a fun fact? Yeah, let's hear it. Georgia has 19 four-star prospects on the roster. That's almost 25% of their entire roster, and it's the most five-star prospect that's ever been on a single five, roster. Five stars. Not You said five four stars, star. but you meant five. 19 five-star prospects. This is the year, man. I'm all in on Georgia. I'm all in on Georgia. I'm all in on Georgia. We, I wanted to say it three are, times. So I, I, I will play devil's advocate here because somebody needs to stick up for, for the program that has been one of the best programs in the sport. It, it better be Clemson. about their defensive line. That's exactly what it's going to be about. <laughs> okay. I love Clemson's D. Brian Brisset, it might be my favorite player to watch in college football. I, I watched, I rewatched the safety against Boston College the other day. Oh, my God. He was only a freshman. Have you ever seen a 17-year-old at the opening and known he was going to be a top-five pick? Uh, I have not <laughs> been to the opening, but I am sure when you first laid eyes on him, you were like, yep, that's yeah, he might. Five. He was a junior shoving away all these five-star tackles uh, that were seniors, and he might have even been 16 when I saw him. And I was like, oh, my God, who the hell is that? That guy's the first-round draft pick, and that was Brian uh, and he's going to be a top five pick. He's he's incredible. Yeah, and he's, I, he's I gonna love, he's gonna do some damage too. Love watching him play. Yeah, and and the thing is, like Tyler Davis is really good too. We're we're not even talking about Tyler Davis, who will be a an NFL player and probably an NFL starter. So, uh, do you think that this, this is about this is about the game, um, and the personnel in the game, or do you think this is this line is set because of Georgia's? Um, track record or the way people view them or, you know, people might be accustomed to thinking, you know what, Georgia's not going to do it on the road. 
or I mean, sorry, they're not oh, going to do so. it when, when the stakes are high. Yeah. They're, they're not on the road, but yes. Or yeah, it's neutral site. A neutral but site. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I do. This is, this is, this is to sucker them in, I think. But then I think back to DJ Uyunglele when he had to start against Boston college, when he had to start against Notre Dame, you know, I, I think they were conservative with him, especially in that Boston college game in terms of running him because Trevor wasn't there. Trevor had COVID, so they didn't, they didn't feel like they had anything behind him. But now I think we will see the full offense built around him. I think there's going to be some times where, where they run him on third and short and he just blasts through somebody and gains 12 yards, and it's really going to mess with the opposing defensive coordinator's head. And there's suddenly going to be another guy in the box, and it's going to be a lot easier to throw. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the dogs. Also, I um, know. give me the. Yeah, I, I had to play devil's advocate though. So, but yes, I'm with you. Take the dogs. Also, I'm completely aware that I might just look like a jackass in a week from now, and everyone will just be like, the 1980 jokes will reemerge. Even though the fact that is that Georgia could lose this game and still be very much alive in the in the college football playoff national championship race. But here's another thing I wanted to do because I, I feel like it's a new year, it's a new leaf. Let me tell you what my favorite futures bet is. All right. Oklahoma winning the national championship at eight to one. That's not terrible. I mean, because we, we do think they're going to have the best defense they've had since Lincoln Riley's been mm-hmm. the head coach. The offense looked like it was clicking completely at the end of last season. And, and they have most of that back. They, they've lost some offensive linemen, but, but for the most part, bo- most of it back. I, I think that is as good as anything because do there's we, a lot of value in that. Do we believe that? Iowa State is a legitimate threat to win the Big 12, or is it just a cool thing to say on September 2nd? I, I don't – they may get Oklahoma in the regular season like they have, but I don't see them doing it again at the end of the season. Which The is only way they, I see it happening is if they lose to Oklahoma in the regular season then beat them in and the Big beat 12 them. championship. Yeah. I, 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 think, just, I think winning the first time is almost a curse. Yeah. Because beating yeah, the, same thing, and, the same team twice in the same year is really hard. And Oklahoma is is just more talented. They they've done a really good job developing their defensive line at Oklahoma. They play a lot of guys, and this is, you know, this is sort of the difference with them is is they do have guys up front that kind of scare you a little bit, like uh, you know Perion Winfrey and Nick Benito coming off Perion Winfrey in the middle, Nick Benito coming off the edge, Jalen Redmond who can play kind of up and down the line. They have so much that they didn't used to have, and. So I'm kind of excited to see what they are and can they be at that level like with an Alabama? Oh, by the way, Boise State has barely gained a yard. I, I think Boise State's still in the negative yardage in the second half, but they just intercepted Dylan Gabriel. It's 30 to 24 UCF. This game's good. I would love to keep talking until the end of this game. We have one more game, buddy. We got one more game, bud. Well, we we got one more game and it's the big one because but there the are thing stakes. I wanted to say before we go to the big oh, go ahead. One. Do you mind? Go I'm ahead. sorry. I don't mean to interrupt yes. you. Yes. I just want to go on record saying that on September 2nd, as we're recording this, now September 3rd in Florida, that I am on the Oklahoma and Georgia bandwagons. Wow. Which is a really weird, weird place, place to be. To be. <laughs> yeah. We've been spending way too much time together, man. I know. I know. We're starting <laughs> to think alike. The, the Ari Andy group, thing, it, it terrifies me that my brain is starting to work like yours. That's <laughs> not good. That, that <laughs> does not bode well. Wasserman is contagious, calling, bud. <laughs> we're just going to be calling a handyman to do things that require only a screwdriver. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm not not looking forward to that. But all right, we, we got to talk the game. Well, the, the game for everybody else is Clemson, Georgia. The game for us, though, is LSU at UCLA. The line is three and a half. But that's not the line on this show. Oh, I'm sorry. The line is three. The line has dropped it's, it's, to three. It's dropping. It's dropping. It's two and a half now, pal. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, good <laughs> boy. It's two and a half since the show started. It's dropped a half a point <laughs> since the show started. You know what I think? A bunch of suckers watched the UCLA-Hawaii game and think Hawaii was legitimate competition for them. And they're going to be very surprised when LSU puts that hammer down on Saturday. The way that the line is behaving... It's making me think that UCLA is going to win the football game. But I will say that I what, think that you. What, what do they know 
about LSU. Oh, you want to start talking about this? What does Vegas yeah. know? It's the thing that what I, does I, Vegas you know when know? you when you die. I like to think that everybody gets to ask God three questions. If we could do that, I think I know what one of my questions would be. How does Vegas know? <laughs> oh, this is and, and God would be like, well, they pay off student managers. <laughs> that's that's how. <laughs> but I think this is a good spot. Minus 140, 140 to win a hundred bucks to just take LSU money line here. All right. So we'll get to our bet though. Because I tease this, well, tease it up is the wrong term. I gave you 15 points. I'm overly confident in LSU in this game and and in this season in general. I just think they will bounce back because they they made two horrific coordinator hires last year. They've corrected for that. They have the quarterback in place. They, They got the chemistry down when everybody who didn't want to be there left last year. I just think they will they will stars matter UCLA for lack of a better term. You know, you're the one who always tells me stars matter. Do I know, the comparison. That's why I, I think you always I think, do. I think LSU is going to win. I do. But why don't you think they'll win big? Cuz winning big is hard. And UCLA is feeling good about Alabama's itself. Alabama is going to win big. Is is the talent differential between LSU and UCLA that different than the talent differential between Alabama and Miami. Because Miami's no, got better talent. No, no, I don't think it is. But, I mean, we're talking about Bama is like the uh, the Death Star. I mean, they they do it so consistently. Bama that- is the Death Star, but LSU has the athletes who, on the right day, can compete with Alabama. I know, but you see this phrasing? On the right day, theoretically... You know, should no, be able theoretically, to theoretically we saw it two years ago. They no, 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 no. Ago. I'm just saying, it like, it's not as big of a it's a much bigger leap to trust LSU right now coming off the year that they did. It's a huge new young leap to trust LSU, which is why I have to eat a damn banana with the peel on if I lose. I think that you I think that you went a little bit too far on this. And right. like, I, I think when we initially we initial I think you should have just taken the bet straight up because at that time, I, I mean, you would have taken it. I would, would have taken it because we were talking about it at five, weren't we? Or four and a half. I don't. We, we we'll see on Saturday how stupid it. would be. I mean, obviously everybody in Vegas is agreeing with me right now. I mean, you gave me ten extra points on a line that was moving in the opposite direction. Okay. Maybe I'm dumb. You like just admit it though. You're you're starting to sweat a little, right? Maybe I'm stupid like a fox. Sorry. I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid like a fox. You might win. Yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just cannot wait to watch it. And I actually, I don't have an iPad, and I think this might be a time to get one. So you have a second screen? Yeah, because no. it's on a TV. Well, I, I mean, I, I probably could after that Ohio State win on Saturday, or I mean, on Thursday night. That game when Ohio State was a money line minus one thirty in the third quarter, down by four, with the entire second half to go is going to be was the easiest gambling spot that will exist for the rest of the year. <laughs> I don't think that there will be oh. another opportunity like that again. Well, I, I think that you probably I, I mean, you can go iPad and you really could have your second screen. You got because I did that tonight. I on Saturdays, I move a second TV out in the living room so that I have two TVs. And then I also have an iPad and, and my phone is the fourth screen if necessary. Tonight, I had the, the one TV on on Ohio State and Minnesota and the other the, the iPad was on UCF and, and Boise State. And it worked out just fine. So you could do that. And then whatever game is more compelling, you put on the TV. But I'm just telling you, this is the time when you probably get away with buying another TV because you got a baby coming very, very soon. You're probably not buying another TV once that baby comes. I mean, you were in my house last weekend. Where am I going to put another TV? Below the TV you have on the wall. Just you store it in a closet and you bring it out for game. Oh, you mean just buy like a smaller one and just like rest it on the console? I didn't say smaller. It doesn't have to be small. It can be big. But yeah, leave, leave the stand on it. Oh, gotcha. Have it on the floor beneath there. 
Yeah. And just get a Roku box for it or whatever. Well, I mean, it'll probably come with a, with all the, the apps you need. And then you just do that. And then you'll have both. And you can, you can be watching two games at the same time. Because there rarely do you need to be watching three at once, where you're really trying to focus on three at once. It's, it's never, it's very rarely going to be more than two. And oh, by the way, Boise State now at 31 30. We're not going to make it to the end of this game. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed the end of the Boise State US, uh, UCF game. Uh, Ari and I do have to go to bed at some point. I'm probably going to stay up and watch the end of this, but mostly I'm going to think about do I need to go to the store to buy bananas on Sunday? You will. I'm fairly certain of it. Actually, you know what? I will. You want to know why? Because I'm going to make some smoothies next week. You're going to be eating the banana peel and all, though. You will eat that banana Will Levis style. I'm like, I'm actually thinking about actually playing LSU with actual dollars. So if I do that. Because, because that line is moved. Yeah. It's okay. just because it's moved so low. I, I could still, I could hit a middle somewhere. You know, LSU by four. Mm-hmm. Hit some cash and then watch you eat a banana. Life's good. LSU by 26. Watch you eat a banana. <laughs> Trust me, bud. I've never won a bet that easily, except on Thursday. <laughs> we'll find out. So, everybody, have have fun with this. I guarantee you, like, like, if UCLA gets the ball and just roars down the field and it's 7 nothing, I'm going to be getting sent bananas on Twitter. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor the point, but we were sitting next to each other while watching the UCLA game, and I understand their opponent wasn't very good. But didn't they seem to have a really good look about them? They played fast. They played confidently. They were athletic. And I'm not. I'm, and every time can, they threw the ball, it was an adventure. Well, guess what? It's going to be a more of an adventure against dude, a team LSU's that has defensive maybe backs, the two uh, best corners in the country, <laughs> and and a pretty good D line to go after the quarterback. I am very, very much looking forward to watching this game, uh, not just because of the bet, but, you know, if UCLA actually ends up winning this football game, then that gives you a storyline that's a little bit different than what we're used to in college football, which is Absolutely. also fun. So Absolutely. it'll be worth tracking for sure. And Ari's going to watch it on his little tiny iPad <laughs> instead of being a man and getting that second TV. Hey, it's only Thursday, man. I've got plenty of time to make moves. <laughs> it's Friday now. It's the first weekend of college football season. It's a marathon, not a sprint, people. Let's get to that banana game. We'll talk to you soon.